A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Intel to talk about what a modern data center should look like as part of your digital transformation. Many of you know the benefits of modernizing your data center, but do you really know the pain and consequences if you don't? I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's all-new episode of Connections to Experience, I'm back with the experts at Connection and Intel to really talk about the challenges of transforming and what's at stake if you wait too long. And John, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Penny. Hello, Penny. It's good to have you both here. And you are newbies to the podcast today. So why don't we take a moment to do some introductions of yourself, your background, and what brings you to the podcast. Uh, Cameron, we'll start with you. Thank you, Penny. And thanks for spending time with us today. Uh, My name is Cameron Belanda, and I lead the technical sales organization here over at Connection. Uh, I've been in the industry way too long to to talk about, but uh, going back to the mainframe days and, and over all of those years have been myopically focused on solving our clients' challenges within the data center. I've always been up there in the high-end part of the business and have put a team together of subject matter experts here at Connection to augment the already fantastic team that's supporting our sales organization around these complex technologies and solutions. Excellent. Well, we're excited to have you here today and to get some of your expert um, opinions for that time you've been in the field, even though you don't want to share how long with us. Looking forward to the conversation today. John, welcome. And why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Benny. Thanks for having me as well. John Kuzma. I'm an industry technical specialist. I'm part of the channel scale partner team at Intel. Been at Intel for 20 years. And my background, I mean, I did a little bit of mainframe in my background, but most of my focus has been on the current data center and really focusing on driving new technologies with our customers. All right. So let's, as I mentioned, we've had this conversation about what the, you know, IT modernization is, digital transformation. They're kind of those buzzwords that are out there that CIOs and CTOs, CSOs, they they all kind of hear them and know them. And let's kind of set the foundation for the conversation today to, and this might be where both of your experience around mainframes come into play a little bit, is what has the evolution of the data center looked like? And, you know, what role does the data center transformation play into this larger picture of the digital transformation? So Cameron, John, whoever wants to tackle this one first, I'd love to get both of your sort of insights based on the years of experience you have. Thanks, Penny. As I mentioned earlier, I've been around for a long time, back to the mainframe as my starting point. Uh, But over those years, right, we've moved from mainframe to client-server computing, to now the more application-centric focus that we have today. And while in the beginning, right, data centers used to be about folks getting a bunch of servers and some storage and stacking them up and calling it Thor and walking into the data center to show off what that hardware was. And it was really, that was how many IOPS, how much memory can we put in here to drive performance? Now we're having conversations around the application. What is the workload? Let's not have a vendor conversation or a logo conversation until it's appropriate to do that. Let's figure out where these workloads before. Uh, A lot of them do belong on-prem for for reasons we may talk about here, including security, compliance, performance, whatever that might be. 
but we're working more and more with our clients, migrating those workloads into the cloud where it makes sense, either a software as a service, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service. So meeting with our clients and understanding their computing environment today, what is that three, four, five-year North Star that they're moving toward? And how do we work with their existing organization to understand their technology, understand their process, and understand the skill set to put together the best possible, most effective solution for them that not only addresses their needs today, but are going to help them grow into the future. There's a lot of things that go into that. And yes, we speed and feed it and geek it up at some point, but this is really trying to understand what's important to the client. How are they managing those applications? How are they serving up these services? How are they protecting them? And then working with the client and strategic partners like Intel to put that best possible scenario together for them, which includes on-prem computing as well as in the cloud. So when you're working, when you're working with customers today, and it, it's an excellent point, you know, what do you want to do three, four years from now? What does your business look like? How do you want to be, you know, operational? What is, that seems like a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of analyzing what's going on in the current environment. There's a lot of benchmarking and really what it comes down to figuring out what that three, four, five, ten year plan looks like where they're trying to figure out those things is the idea of what we're going to do in the data center and how we're going to get it done and all of the intricacies of it. Is that challenging for a customer? Is What are they thinking about when they even start that process? Is it something that seems like they're going to drown in work? They're, mm -hmm. you know, it's too much for now and they just keep putting it off. And, you know, it, sometimes it's easier to just put things off than to actually start it. Um, what's that conversation look like with a customer? What pain are they sort of feeling before they make that decision to move forward? Well, great question, Penny. And I'll look forward to John's commentary from a, the Intel perspective. But um, in a lot of cases, we found that the technology is the easiest part, right? The, the, the struggle, if you want to call it that, is getting the folks within the client environment to not only collaborate together and work in concert with each other, but ultimately, one of the biggest thing is a personal, right? Hey, this is my job. This is what I do today. And what you're talking about is creating a, a more digital environment where the process that I used to wake up and own every day is now being handled within an infrastructure. This isn't about job elimination. This is about giving that person, that teammate within the client environment, the time and the cycles back to do things that are more strategic. So once we get past that personal barrier, then the big part is help navigating that organization, getting all of the constituents to weigh in on the important things as you're talking about their applications and their lifeblood, seeking out the people that need to be at the table, right? Penny, in the past, you know, procurement's a critical component of the conversation and getting things done. IT plays a critical component in not only keeping the lights on, but introducing new technologies to support the business. But what we're finding is the biggest part of those budgets, the biggest part of the decision-making is now sitting within the marketing department. Mm. They're the ones that have the funds to invest in technology. IT has to make it work. They have to manage it. They have to secure it. But we need to have those conversations with the folks to understand what they're trying to do to digitize their environment and then work with the rest of the constituents to try to make that happen. So there's a lot of peacekeeping. There's a lot of navigation. There's a lot of scar tissue that you're trying to share with them from clients in similar situations to help them understand there are clients in similar situations. They have solved these issues. Let's stop kicking the can down the road. Let's measure twice, cut once, because even before today's environment in the rush to remote computing, 
there were projects and pent up demand to, to transform data centers and infrastructure. I think that's even heightened now because there are clients aren't going back per se, right? right? They're not going back to properties, certainly, but they're not going back to the old way of doing things. So if you don't transform, it's going to be awfully difficult for you to keep up and manage to all of the changes that are coming to their environment from an end user perspective. You say so much there, Cameron. And John, I want to kind of, because I think you're really on the front lines with a lot of customers that are bringing this solution together and would love to get your thoughts and also tap into, Cameron, what you talk about the other stakeholders involved. IT has evolved across all departments in an organization now. And I think that that's been a real struggle as you try to change things because your change agents are usually not sitting within your IT department, like you said. John, what are those conversations look like with a customer of trying to wrangle the cats, bring them all together to have, you know, a cohesive decision-making process and an outline of what they need to build for their future goals and and outcomes. Yeah, thanks, Betty. I I mean, I think the idea is that, you know, we focus our discussions now more with the business units, with the application owners, and really IT is really just a services organization to the applications. And we see, you know, as we start looking at, you know, understanding what are some of the business outcomes they're trying to achieve from their applications, what are some of the key pain points they're trying to resolve, you're coming in from a different perspective. You're not coming in from a speeds and feeds and a technology perspective. That's been already abstracted out, out of the actual environment. Uh, If you have a software-defined data center, like you mentioned, or if you have a hyper-converged data center, you know, that's already agile, that's already scalable, that's getting the performance you need. Now you're talking about what do you put on top of it and how do you optimize those applications? You know, how do you make them cloud aware if that's something you're looking at doing? How do you make yourself ready for any sort of, you know, environmental disruption that's happened recently? You know, do you have the business continuity, the, the business resilience to be able to survive during a pandemic? So all those things are more and more being thought of now as we start looking at what do you need to do today? What do you need to do to build in the future uh, as you start migrating applications or looking at applications that typically have been a legacy application? And now you need to look at how do you disaggregate that from what they were doing beforehand and modernize it. So modernization obviously comes with a, a new set of skills. Cameron, I think you said it great. Once you get past that, you know, the the guy or girl, it's like, I've been waking up every single day and I've been doing it this way. I've been managing our data this way. Do you see hesitancy among the IT stakeholders of not making moves forward because they don't have the appropriate skills to do so? They don't have, you know, skills in, in and of themselves, but also in the resources that support them and the existing data center infrastructure. What does the skills gap look like across the customer landscape today? And what is going to be required to sort of move them into this comfortable space of modernizing their data center? So I'll go first. So as we just talked about, right, there are different business units and and folks that are now sitting around the table that perhaps weren't part of the earlier conversations. But in the past, right, you had a storage person and you had someone who did compute, you had someone to do networking and and helping orchestrate and getting all those three groups kind of on the same page was, you know, paramount to the role, right? The 16, 18 week living, breathing thing that is the sales cycle in a data center project requires getting folks to, as I mentioned earlier, work in concert with each other. So, you know, when we're talking with the storage person or the compute person 
And rather than carving up runs all the time or doing things that they're very comfortable with, right, they've needed to evolve into a more virtualized environment. While there are still sword solutions and compute solutions and network solutions, they're also hand in glove now, right? So interdependent that even a, a project that requires the addition of 37 more servers, you better understand the implications to your storage environment. What does that do to your backup? How does that affect your licensing? What about the stuff that's in the cloud? And the more that these folks, we can help them understand that rounding out those skills, not only you know, continue their job, right? That's again, paramount. They, they wanna make sure that they've got something to do every day, helping them understand where this is going and, and doing data center symposiums and podcasts and webinars. We're hopefully helping them understand this is what we're seeing. This is where we see our clients evolve. We're a you know, $3 billion plus organization ourselves and we are transforming over time as well. So it's just helping them understand what is out there that it is possible Hooking them up with the right subject matter experts, that's something we try to do very, very quickly, is introduce them to somebody who may have been the storage person, but is now managing the entire environment because the client moved down the hyper-converged path or the private cloud path, and all of those skill sets are now kind of feathered in together. We just continue to, to provide that guidance to our clients. And then for those who are interested, we actually help them out in that journey, either via you know, partner training or working with them ourselves to get to that skill set. The last comment I'll make here is for those clients who can't evolve, don't have the fiscal capabilities or the folks, we have managed services that can do that on their behalf, right? And again, that gets back to the very interesting conversation around, oh, wait, that's my job. But again, what we're trying to do is take the work that makes more sense for somebody else to do to free up and give everybody three or four hours back in a day to do the strategic thing. Right. John, in your experience and... I don't know if you have any stories that you can share with us around how Intel was really able to maybe bridge that gap from a, a skills point of view where you you have those traditional roles in managing a traditional data center and you've needed to migrate them into this new skill set. You know, what have you seen working with customers, you know, over the past 20 years or so as they've transformed in every form? Yeah, Penny. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I'm, I, for one, too, have transformed what, the way I've looked at, you know, the IT industry. But, yeah, I, I, we've worked with many customers. We've we tried to understand, you know, um, where, are the, where are the key gaps that they're going to be seeing as we move forward. They understand that, you know, as Cameron mentioned, you know, you don't want these silos anymore. You don't want the storage networking compute silos. You want to be able to merge that together. So, therefore, your skill set is really more about you know, automating that environment. How do you manage it? How do you create a self-service environment for your for your business units and for your customers? So just be able to adapt and be able to change the um, the dynamics and what you need to be focusing on. I think is really critical. And for those people that you know resist, I mean, I think there you know there's always opportunity to move into different other areas. But I think there's always you know, new skill sets that need to be adapted as you start moving forward. Uh, we've seen that a lot today with some of the applications development as well, where it's more of an agile development DevOps scenario where you can actually develop stuff fairly quickly. And that's completely rejuvenated the whole environment as well. So I think there's a whole bunch of areas that customers, you know, whether it's their, you know, development environment that they used to have, they have to merge that with IT now as well. So they have an IT ops environment and be able to to manage that whole environment together. So with the the cloud has grown exponentially over the past decade. I can't even 
believe how much it's grown and applications are everywhere. And I know that if I, you know, I need something to do my job, I can do a quick Google search and find some type of service or solution that is going to get my problem resolved. And of course, I don't sit in an IT department rolling out IT for an entire company. And I've heard from CIOs, CTOs that they have these other departments that you've both talked about that are stakeholders and that have data and that have budget are going out and procuring or procuring solutions on their own that is going to fit their need. And they're sometimes bypassing IT and then handing them a plate saying, here, I need you to manage this and just make it work because I've already done all the pre-work. I've already, you know, named the solution that I want. How would you suggest IT sort of get at the forefront of those conversations to manage and develop a more cohesive ecosystem where you don't have, you know, maybe multiple platforms or multiple hardware solutions coming in, what would your guidance be for someone listening right now that kind of feels like they've lost control a little bit, that the wild, wild west is out there and now they need to rein it back in and bring more control to the environment? Well, I'll start off, right? We, we've certainly have been for the longest time back to one of our other ecosystem partners, VMware, right? That there is this sprawl that's going on out there um, that doesn't even have to do anything with, with going out to the cloud, right? There was just all of a sudden, it was very easy to spin things up. Someone would spin up a virtualized environment, they'd use it, and then not spin it back down and just started consuming resources and things of that nature. Same thing happening on the cloud side, right? That, that separate spend that was going on out there was really, and, and still continues to be a detriment to the IT folks. So what we try to do is meet with those IT folks and help them understand, right, if it's, if it's 66 cents of every dollar is currently keeping the lights on, right? That's the cost of doing business today the same way. What can we do together to provide them a solution and help them deliver that back to the end user that might take that from 66 cents down to 55? Let's give them money back to bring to the bottom line, which is always nice for clients nowadays. But more importantly, let's give that money back so they could fund the projects that have perhaps have been stalled for other reasons, fiscal reasons, or what have you. And the conversation that we're trying to have nowadays is let's put the end user experience in the middle of the slide now. We used to have the data center in the middle. We'd have all these spokes coming off there. Let's talk about the end user experience. What do we need to do to give them time back to, to turn data into information and information into knowledge? And let's jack that down to their smartphones and their laptops so they can react in a more efficient manner. And what that design now comes to is, okay, for these four or five things, right? we don't need to cut checks on-prem anymore. That software is a service. Let's go out there. You need to get your marketing information, right? We're going to get that from our internal systems and Mercados on top of it or whatever else is on there, right? But let's look at it from the end user experience out. And the cloud absolutely plays a role there. Let's show the client how they can manage those expenses, how IT can still be in control. And, and I have my fingers up in quote marks right now um, to try to you know, stop that you know, benign spend that's going on on the side that they're not even worried about. Because more often than not, when people are pulling out their credit cards, it's been our experiences, it's because of speed. My organization yeah. takes two weeks to give me an instance. I need it in two hours. So we work with them to give them that capability, which still might include the cloud, but at least their arms are around it as opposed to the end user driving it. Yeah, and Penny, I would add to that, you know, most companies today, as they start to transform into this, you know, software cloud environment, you know, you need a, an office of the project manager. So you need to be able to manage all your projects 
and then make sure that everybody has a seat at the table, including the folks that are developing your infrastructure solutions as well. So as you start planning your years out and you start developing all these different solutions that are coming in or different requirements coming in from different application owners or business units, you know, now you can start to consolidate all those requirements, look at some of the, you know, what you have out there today to support it and work with those application owners to develop the right types of solutions with them. Not them going to a software vendor and saying, here's what you need to buy. It's more like, here's what we have. You know, will that meet the requirements of your applications and making sure that all the SLAs are being met, your environments, you know, you could develop your environment the way you want it to be developed. And I think that's critical as you start, you know, moving into this more of a co collaborative type of effort with different organizations within a company versus more of a an IT driving the infrastructure and everybody and hoping that somebody's going to come use it afterwards. So, Right, right. So with all of those, you know, outside in within your organization decisions being made, Cameron, you mentioned that speed is a huge factor because the speed of, I think, competition when we're talking, you know, we're talking client, we're talking customer, we're talking about their transformation. But there's another side of this. And I'm assuming is the reason many of our customers and clients are doing this. It's so that they can be competitive. It's so that they can offer a service so they can support, you know, their clients. And I kind of want to ask you, we talk about how to do it. We talk about the benefits of doing it. But what is the consequence for an organization, whether it's in the private or public sector, if they don't really take this into consideration. They don't make those changes to understand what skills they need to do, what services they might need to implement. What is at stake for them and their business moving forward if they don't look to modernize their data center today? Well, Penny, I, I could speak from first-person perspective. You know, Our current situation that we're in today, my wife and I were living in downtown Chicago, and we literally saw businesses shut down around us who just weren't even prepared to deliver food via Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever you have, right? We've all heard the taxi and Uber scenarios in the past used as example. It, it just yep. continues today, right? Restaurants and boutiques and stores that have been open for 60 years in Chicago are no longer open because they could not move fast enough to providing that remote experience. And I know that's a base level example, but it's happening in real time. Yep. And you don't have to be a restaurant or a boutique to suffer those consequences. If you don't transform, it's going to be very difficult to execute. I mean, even me, I'll get on Amazon. And if it takes three seconds for a screen to come up, I'm out, right? That's the kind of <laughs> culture or, or environment uh, many of us are in today. So speed is of the essence, security, all those other things we've talked about. But I'm a little hesitant to bring up this fact because I don't know it exactly. But there's a lot of figures out there from Gartner and the other pundits that say, X amount of global 100 companies may not be around in a year right. or two because they aren't transforming. Hard to translate that down to the 2,000 or 1,000 feet and under, but I think it's even heightened at that level, that if you don't move and you don't move quickly, you are exposed. And we're working with our clients today, you know, doing those assessments, helping them understand their workloads and their interdependencies, and giving them the information that they either need to make the decision or to start the conversation that might be a year tardy. Yeah, and Penny, I'll give you an example. At Intel, you know, we were 110,000 seats of, you know, remote users in our in our company. Before the pandemic, we probably had about 25,000 folks that were accessing remotely, and now we went to 100,000 folks. So if we weren't fast enough to move over, which took us probably 
I think it was about two weeks to transition the whole environment over to a, a, a remote environment. And, you know, and that took the ability to be able to make sure you had software solutions out there that were, you could access without VPN because you might not be able to support 100 VPN connections or 100,000 VPN connections. And so a lot of that planning was already done, you know, going back to 2003 when SARS came out. So when that came out, we started seeing, you know, we need to, we need to start building in some more resilience for this type of potential reoccurrence of a pandemic. And at that point, we were planning for 50% stay-at-home type of folks. But, right. you know, we, we, we actually re-architected our environments fairly quickly and we were able to get everybody remotely accessed. We could go with or without VPNs now because we have the ability to, with Microsoft Azure, to be able to do stuff like that. So so it's really, you know, if we weren't fast enough or quick enough to do that, you know, we could be one of those, you know, top 100 companies that doesn't isn't around anymore. So very critical to be swift, even though we're a large company, still be agile and and moving across. So that's an excellent point. You know, I was reading an article from uh, datacenterknowledge.com and it was an article from January 19th, I believe, where they were sort of saying the the top 10 things that you need to ask yourself when it comes to managing your data center and, you know, evaluating your data center. And reading it now in September of 2020, the last item that you needed to think about, number 10, was a business resiliency or disaster planning, disaster recovery. And I think that now that is probably number one for many people as they're still trying to recover from a disaster. But I'm wondering, do you both think, in a personal opinion here, there's going to be a number of customers that don't even with a pandemic, aren't going to see the the urgency or aren't going to have the urgency of disaster planning and, you know, business continuity. What industries do you think would be most impacted by potentially another disaster that maybe won't make it through another round of this if they're not really fully set up to flip a switch and support through a modern data center model? You know, Penny, you said it there, right? I think very important words you use there, right? We used to design data centers, and there's still data centers stood up today that are that are designed to never go down, right? The thought was, let's go in there and make sure it's bulletproof. We got to think differently. We got to think yeah. this thing is going down or might yeah. be removed altogether. So how do we design and engineer for resiliency? Create that big easy button that we saw in the Staples commercial that whenever they want to, maintenance, platform shift, another COVID thing, they could hit a button and, and transform almost in real time. That's, again, the conversations that we're having with our clients today and helping them understand how critical it is. And, you know, the, the healthcare, I think telehealth is going to be huge for us. And those organizations that haven't woke up and taken a look at what's going on around them and aren't, forget about talking about it, they're not in heavy planning stages about how they're going to deliver right. that remotely. Right. That's going to be an industry that's going to be leveraging that infrastructure and, and security very, very heavily. I mean, we could talk about the hospitality folks. They've got a little bit of a challenge in that they can't bring people in, but we're seeing a lot of infrastructure challenges there that they need to change, right? You're not going to check in with a person anymore, right? You want to do it on your phone. You want to walk into the hotel. You want to put your phone next to the lock and you're in the room. That's what all of these folks need to go to. Now, is Hilton going to go out of business because they don't do that? No. But those are the kind of things that folks need to be thinking about. Those are the kind of projects we're talking to our clients about. And I know that there's many, many other examples. I'm sure John's going to share. 
Yeah, and I think uh, just to add on to the healthcare is, is the education, obviously, with the online learning and training. Yep. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, if they keep on moving back and forth, you know, whether or not they could, you know, have, you know, a, a hybrid solution out there today, whether or not you want an all-in-person class or whether it's virtual. So I think, you know, that alone says you better be flexible. You know, you better be, have the tools with all your students, your teachers, the ability to be able to teach, whether it's in class or virtually, you know, so some of those educational systems obviously have to be able to support that. And if they don't, then somebody else could take their business away from them. I mean, that's basically at the end of the day, you know, it's whatever they can, if they're not fast enough to do that, they're going to end up losing the business to somebody else. Yeah, I think what both of you said is spot on. We're in the phase of disaster recovery, where if you're not already planning for it now, you're not already in that process, it potentially could be too late and you will be one of those companies that doesn't come out on the other side if you're unable to pivot. I want to kind of uh, start bringing us to a close a little bit. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the the pain, what's at stake, what really modernization looks like. I'd like to understand just a little bit, you know, and I think Cameron, this plays very well with what you opened with, the logo, the technology, the hardware, that sort of all comes last once you've built that solution. So John, what new technologies has really Intel brought into this space that is going to level up this modernization and really transform what customers are doing today within their data center? Well, thanks, Ben. Yeah, I, absolutely. So so we've, you know, aside from our, what people know Intel being for is our CPUs and actually have, you know, generations coming out later on this year and early next year. But for the underlying Technologies that we see are more revolutionary are are some of our Optane persistent memory and Optane SSD technologies. The SSD technology has been out for a few years now. A lot of the hyperconverged players out there, uh, you know, Cisco, Dell, HP, all the big players that have hyperconverged solutions today, they use our underlying Optane SSDs. And what that provides you is really that the comfort level where you don't really care what's running on top of it because the technology is so state-of-the-art that they can support whatever you throw at it, whether it's an online critical application like SAP or Oracle, or whether it's just a VDI solution. It can be different types of workloads. The underlying technology is able to abstract that and keep your performance, your response time, the endurance all together. The persistent memory component, which is probably about a year old now, that's actually starting to pick up a lot more traction in the virtualization space, be able to save customers money in you know, consolidation. And then there's a lot of database analytics and some of the requirements from some of these larger software companies that require data closer to the CPU. And that what this provides you is larger footprint of data. You can actually put it into the, uh, the memory part of the system. So, so we find that we're playing in all the key areas, you know, the networking part, obviously that's, that keeps on evolving as we move forward with the higher speed networking cards themselves. And we're providing this not only to the, the, the ISVs, to the hyperconverged solution providers, also to cloud service providers, because they're also growing even more rapidly than, you know, than the rest of the industry. So, so we're really trying to provide them that not a level of comfort because you're never going to be comfortable, <laughs> but at least a level of knowledge that you're going to get, you know, a very stabilized performance results when you're actually using some of our technology. Yeah. And I'll uh, pile on there, John. One other piece that we're talking uh, to our clients about big time from the Intel perspective is that that Silicon level root of trust, right? Security is paramount in all of these conversations. 
And when you talk about some of those partners earlier, that ecosystem, right? That's why Intel is so strategic to connection to my team in particular, because we know that by investing in the relationships and understanding all of these things that we've talked about over the past 20 or 25 minutes uh, plays in every other aspect, right? When we're with HPE, when we're with Dell or others, right? And that's a, that's a critical component in all of this, is the trust there. And then so when you start putting, say, Intel uh, and what they have out with HPE Gen 10 servers, right, you're talking about a darn near bulletproof secure compute platform that our clients can rely on. And when you have names like Intel and HPE behind it with connections, arms around it, it's a great conversation to have. Excellent. So as we look to close out here, what someone listening today, I think I asked you both earlier a form of this question, but what would be your closing thoughts to someone who is no pun intended, but on the edge here of, you know, I don't know if I can financially swing a transformation like this. I, or I don't know if I have the resources available to even start. John, what would your guidance be to someone to just start getting this off the ground so they don't end up as a statistic of someone who didn't make it through the next disaster? Yeah, I would obviously point them to partners like Connection. So you guys have the resources, you have the experience out there. Companies that don't have, you know, the acumen to understand what it takes to be able to survive in this environment, what you need to be doing, you know, connection would be someone that can actually have, has done this for other customers. They have the experience. They have, I mean, they might have battle scars as well doing it as well, you know, <laughs> with some customers, but they, they've seen everything. They've seen what works and what doesn't work and they can lead their customer to the right, down the right path. So the scaling of what connection can do with, you know, with their customers is really critical. You know, Intel can provide guidance from a strategy perspective. We always talk to customers, we always talk to our partners on what we're doing. You know, we always eat our own dog food as well. So, you know, we've, we've basically learned from our mistakes and we can share a lot of those insights with a lot of uh, your customers as well. So I'd say, don't be afraid what, what you've probably Thinking of doing has probably been done out there already, but just if you're not sure, just reach out to a, you know a trusted partner that can help you out. Thanks, John. That's very nice of you. And, and we do we try to help clients understand. Okay, let's take a breath. There are folks in similar situations. We can connect you directly, but let's share with you some of the things that we're doing to help them through whatever knot holes that they're in today. Let's do it in a way that shows them options. Right. That also leads to, hey, if this is a piece of the business that is easier outsourced so that you can focus on those things. I know that's a common theme that I've been providing, but really help the clients understand that, that we have been there. We've done that. We've got the T-shirt. We'll connect you with clients. They have similar situations. And as it relates to, you know, the, another challenge that we haven't really spent a lot of time with. I mentioned technologies earlier. It's how do you get it through the fiscal process? Right. And understanding mm -hmm. that. Right. So being able to help them feel comfortable with an on-prem a hyper-converged, a, a hybrid solution out to the cloud, but give them consumption kind of economics, right? So in the past, they immediately think, I'm going to stroke a check here for $3 million. No, 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 no. There right. are now ways for us to give you what you need today with 30% growth, and you write a check just like you are for your power and your water and everything else, and it's all taken care of. So helping them understand that you're not alone, here are some examples and here are some solutions uh, have gone a long way in helping us have better dialogue with our clients. Excellent. I think a couple of great nuggets in there is call the professionals, use their help to put together a plan. And Cameron, you're right, we didn't cover the financial parts of this, but being able to 
put these expenses in more of that operating category versus a capital category. I think that we could have a whole nother episode on that and have talked about it on previous episodes as well. I appreciate both of your expertise on this topic. Definitely a challenging situation that many companies are in right now, but I think there are solutions that can get them to the other side that can allow them to pivot and allow them to have that continued growth. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your experience on really what's at stake for a customer if they don't look to make these sort of changes uh, by modernizing their data center. So appreciate both of the time and expertise that you gave me today. And for those of you out there listening on whatever platform you are listening to our podcast on today, please be sure to like, share, and follow so you can get the latest episodes as they're released. And for more information on today's topic, you can visit us at www.connection.com or email us at podcast at connection.com. Cameron, John, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Penny. 